0: Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you're a guest, I want to say welcome. It's really been awesome. Especially if you're a repeating guest that you've shared in this if you will, a toolbox for life. If you're joining us online, if you're a first time, uh, let me just really, it's an honor for me that you would join us. And if you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to 1 John. As you do, I read this internet piece that simply said, the Declaration of Independence totaled 1,300 words. The Gettysburg Address totaled 286 words. The Ten Commandments, 179 words. The Lord's Prayer, 66 words. The famed John 3.16, God so loved the world, five words. I forgive you, three words. I love you, three words. And the United States government regulation on the sale of cabbage, 26,911 words. <laughs> have you ever heard the words less is more? Oh, there you have it. There you have it. It seems you can say a whole lot more and less than you can ever say with a whole lot more, right? And by the way, a recent poll proves it. They simply asked Americans, what word or phrase would you most want to hear sincerely stated or uttered to you? And less was more. Anybody know what the number one phrase would be? I love you. Or a word that you truly would want to hear, first and foremost came back from the poll, is, I love you. The second was, you are forgiven. And the third, believe it or not, supper is ready. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Talk about a great description of God's church, or at least it should be. I love you. I forgive you. And supper is ready. I love you no matter what. I forgive you for whatever you've done. And let's share a meal together. What a picture of God's church. Amen. In fact, I want you to turn to someone right now and repeat after me. I love you. I forgive you, supper's on me. (laughs) There you go, (laughs) you're welcome. We've been in a series, Toolbox for Life, and literally talking, if you will, about vision and values, and I once again, real quickly, wanna help you with it. Every day you get up, you carry a toolbox around. That toolbox is your vision. You have it because, therefore, it's how you live, if you will. And in it are your tools by which you make your decisions, your values. We're all carrying around a vision. It's why you do what you do. It's why you get up every day. It's why you call certain people your friend. It's why you date or are married to who you are. It's why you point your kids in the direction you point them. It's your toolbox. And in it, are your values. And it's why you make every decision you make. Now, you can argue all you want. You can say, I don't buy it. That's your vision and values. You can't argue out of it. Everybody's carrying a toolbox. The question is, what is your toolbox? Everybody is making decisions based upon the tools that are in that toolbox. What are your tools? And instead of arguing, the question you really ask yourself is when you stand before God, will He say, Well done? Because that's a day that you and I, it's a day you and I cannot ignore. We can't avoid it. Every person in this room will stand before the Creator of all mankind. And you will have to answer for the life you lived. And he will not allow you to point fingers. You will be silenced the moment you go, but you don't know who my dad was. Doesn't matter. You don't know who my mom was. Doesn't matter. You can blame everybody you want, but you are exactly who you chose to be. I will say it again. You can blame everybody you want, but you are exactly what you chose to be. I understand that bad things have happened to us. I'm not denying that. But it is in your hand. It is in your will. It is in your life how you choose to respond to it. That choice is yours. No one made you do what you've done. Your vision and values, what are they? What are they? Well, what I want to do is I want to wrap up this series looking at our last tool. We talked about, if you will, having a kingdom mindset. Living for something bigger than here and now. We talked about having an authority in your life. And in this church, we believe it's God's word. There are no other authorities. They can choose as they will, regardless of what it might cost. The word of God is God's word and it will never get you wrong. And some people say, but I don't understand God's word. Let me, let me just say it again. Your ignorance of God's word is only your choice by how much time you've chose to be in it or not. God doesn't hide things from us. He didn't write an archaic book that doesn't make sense. Because we all, if you will, are experts on something. The question is what? It's what you give your time to. Because I'm willing to bet some of you men, some of you women in here know more about your stocks, how they've gone up or down, and where the NASDAQ is right now than you do God's word. It's because that's what you give your time to, because that is a value, if you will, and it's a vision by which you live. Therefore, you put your value where you think it will most come back to build you. And so I would say your vision is limited because the only reason you keep looking at stocks is because you're thinking about this side of heaven in a little moment in time you call retirement. And that's why you give your allegiance to that because you need to know where it's at because your life depends upon it. I'm just letting you know, mine doesn't. If Wall Street completely goes away and everything dies and we're in a recession like never before, and we don't even know how we're going to feed ourselves, let me just tell you something. Victories in Jesus. Amen. Well, you might die. That's the point. OK? The goal one day is not to be here, it's to be there. You, you see how it works. So I don't check Wall Street. I check his word. I'm more interested in this going up than I am about my finances going down. And see, it all depends upon your vision and your value. My vision is bigger than the here and now. A kingdom mindset. The word is my authority. But then we're going to need a voice by which we need to learn to listen to. And that's the Holy Spirit. That Jesus said, it's best I go away because I'm going to put my presence in you And that presence will always be with you, and he will convict you. He will teach you. And you can again read that in John 14, 15, and 16 from the very mouth of Jesus, of what the Holy Spirit will do. Well, now we're going to talk about our final value, our final tool, and that's living a lordship lifestyle. We've taught this before to some degree, but it's simply this. Jesus did not come to be Savior. He came to be Lord. He didn't come to fix our sin problem. He came that we would be like Jesus. And that's our last tool. It's real simple. Less is more. Be Jesus. And I'm going to show you how. You okay with that? I'm going to show you how to be Jesus. And it's a lot simpler than you might think. We've made it hard. But I think God's word is quite simple. The difficulty isn't understanding it. The difficulty is because we don't want to obey it. And there's where the problems get in. And so if you got your Bibles, 1 John, this is John, the beloved disciple who wrote the Gospel of John. This is the one that at the Last Supper is laying on the very chest of Jesus. When Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, and the Bible makes it very clear that John is laying right here. Picture that. Wouldn't that be cool? He's laying his head on the very heart of Christ. And Peter goes, hey, ask him who it is. And John goes, who is it? And Jesus looks down and goes, whoa, you've had too much garlic. No, he doesn't. Jesus looks down and says, what? He says, it's the one who I'm going to dip the bread into the glass and give it to him. And so when you hear pastors say that no one knew who would betray him, John did. Because his entire gospel is written from first person. And he goes on to say, and then Jesus passed it to Judas. John is the one who heard Jesus say, you're going to deny me, Peter, three times. John is the one who stood in the garden and listened to Peter deny him three times. John was there. John was at the foot of the cross. Some pastors say that everybody abandoned Jesus. John didn't. John's there when Jesus looks down and says, Behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. John is standing at the foot of the cross. And he writes these words. The one who entitled himself, the one whom Jesus loved. And so if you got your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4 I'm beginning in the ninth verse. Listen to what John writes. You can follow along. This is how God showed his love among us. This is how God showed that he loved us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Not live for him. Not live by him. But we would live through him. Very significant. This is love. So he's going to go on and say, okay, let me describe it for you. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Notice the words in. If you like to circle something in your Bible, I'd encourage you to circle those words in, in. And then skipping down to verse 16, the second half. God is love. That's who he is. It's not something he does, it's who he is. And it's important you catch that. God is love. Whoever lives in love, notice the word in again, lives in God and God in them. This is how he, or love, is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we're to be Jesus. Not try to be Jesus. We're to be Jesus. I'm going to show you how. There's no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The one who fears, what is there to fear? Greater is he that is in us, Isn't what Paul said, that he that is in the world. Anything in the world. What do we have to fear? Verse 19, say it with me. We love because he first loved us. Can someone say amen? Amen. We love because he first loved us. So how do we be Jesus? If we want people to meet Jesus, how do we be Jesus? Well, there are three things from this passage that we must get, but must happen. And the first is this. We need to be loved by Jesus. We need to Be loved by Jesus. And this is easier said than done. We can say we get this, but I just wonder how much of us do. You know, comedian Rita Rudner, which I love that name. She should be a comedian. All right. Comedian Rita Rudner once observed that if you put flour and water together, you get glue. But if you add some butter and eggs, you make cake. Nothing has to change, just something has to be added. Love is God's butter and eggs. It's the key. That key ingredient that defines us as a follower of Christ. You'll know who my disciples are by their love. But not just their love, their love for who? One another. Not their love for the lost world. Not their love for the broken world. Not for their love for the homeless and the hurting and the helpless. You will know who my disciples are. Watch how they love one another. And can I tell you there's a problem in this country because we don't do a very good job loving one another. In the last 21 years, in the seat that I sit, I will guarantee you I've seen more ugly within the church than I have without. And I got emails to prove it. I don't know how people can raise their hand and speak of the goodness of God and then post the things they do on social media. I don't don't know how they do it, except I'm going to say something. They don't know him. And you go, your not job is to judge. Yes, it is. It's not judgment. It's called fruit inspection. You will know who my disciples are by how they love one another. How do we sing the goodness of God and thank you for the forgiveness, but I'm not going to do it here. In fact, I'm going to post things that should not be posted. And I'm saying it because it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that they don't even know what the Bible says. How can fresh water and poison come out of this same river? It can't. James talks to it. The mouth speaks what's in the heart. You wanna know what's going on in someone's life? Look at some of the social media. Because when you're walking with God and you're in God, can I tell you what comes out of your life? God. And I want to help you with it. This is an important thing. You see, it's difficult to give love when you've really never gotten love. You just think you have. And I want to help you with this. Because if we're going to be Jesus, it starts here. It starts here. It's being loved by Jesus. By Jesus. When you get the cross, you can't stay cross. You see how it works? When you really understand this gift that God so loved the world and gave us, our mouth speaks, then therefore, of the goodness of God. It's such an important thing, you get it. If all we have is some faith and a little knowledge of God's word, you all ready for this? We have a sticky mess. But the moment you add love, God's butter and eggs, everything changes. And I want to read it to you. So many of you have heard these words before because you think they were written for a husband and wife, and they weren't. Only if you say, the husband and God's wife. Paul wasn't writing for marriage. He was writing for our relationship with God when he wrote, if I could speak all the language of earth and of angels, but I don't have the butter and eggs, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's who you are. You're just talking. If I had the gift of prophecy and I could understand all of God's secret plans and and the possession of his knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I don't love others, I don't have the butter or eggs, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body and I could boast about it, But I didn't love others I would have gained nothing absolutely nothing and then he tells us the words that you and I have a real problem with love is patient I'm done anybody here mastered that one yet anybody own a car Love is kind. Love is not jealous. The word not here is never. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. Anybody, ladies, do not throw an elbow. It keeps no record of wrongs. Wow. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and love endures through every circumstance. Do you see why we need to learn to be loved by Jesus? Because that's the love he gives us just like Andy giving his toys. You might want to write this down. God cannot do through you until you first let him do it in you. Let me say it again. God cannot do through you until you first let him do it in you. Let him do it. Let him love you. Just as you are. And yet some of you go, but I have. But then I've heard the languages from God's people. Oh, but pastor, I'm just, man, the things I've done. There you go. You made yourself the focus. I thought you let God love you. Because God loves you all the way through all of that. What you've done wrong does not define you. The mistakes you made are not you. He's the one that gets to tell you who you are. You're a child of the king. Let him love you. Don't put yourselves on equal planes with him. I'm not God. You're not God, but he's God. And he loves his children. Oh, does he love his children. Amen to that? Let God love you. You know, author Jim Cimbala says it this way. When I was growing up, I'm sure many of you thought this. I thought the greatest Christians must be those who walk around with shoulders thrown back because of their tremendous inner strength and power, quoting scripture and letting everyone know that they have arrived. I have since learned that the most mature believer is the one who is bent over, leaning most heavily on the Lord, And admitting their total inability to do anything without him. Come on, someone one more time. Give me an amen. amen. You see, the true follower of Jesus is not the one who's achieved the most. It's the one who's received the most. And they get that. And they know that. I am only who I am because God said so. I can only accomplish anything that I can accomplish because God said, thy will be done. He's a good, good God. You know, author Brendan Manning tells of a story when, from Patty Shefsky's Play the Gideon. I don't know if you've seen it. But Gideon's lying awake one night in his tent and he's praying, oh God, are you out there? To which God replies, yes, I am Gideon. Gideon then asks, oh God, please tell me, do you love me? Do you really love me? Again, God responds, I love you, Gideon. I truly do love you. Gideon then says, you do? Oh, that's nice. But tell me, God, why do you love me? And listen to what God says in response to the question. Quite frankly, Gideon, I don't know sometimes my love is unreasonable or as C.S. Lewis calls it the unmerited love of God the undeserved the unreasonable love of God I don't know if you've ever heard the words unconditional love I think you have right of which we all consider it the hallmark of all loves but did you know this you ready for this Unconditional love is something that you and I can never manufacture ourselves. There's only one love that's unconditional for God so loved. You and I absolutely need to understand it is improbable for you and I to love someone unconditionally. Impossible. Not a baby, not a child, not a spouse, no one. There's only one love that's unconditional and that's God's. Which again, I will say, there's nothing you've done that will make God love you any less. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. He loves you. Amen. Amen. Amen? He loves you. But until you receive it, You can never give it. You can't give it. Without God, the only love you and I have is a fallible, faulty, messed up love. Some of you might go, oh man, but Pastor, you didn't know my daddy. My dad was an incredible example of love. Compared to Jesus, how good was your daddy? I'm not saying that. To disrespect your daddy. I'm saying that to respect the only daddy. (laughs) Man's love, my Bible says, is tainted. It's flawed. The prophet said the human heart is wicked. And there's nothing that can fix it. Except for God to love the world that he gave us Jesus. And now the problem's fixed. Are you letting him love you? Are you letting him love you? Because so many people struggle with this. We think we have to earn it. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But if we're going to be Jesus, the first thing we have to do is be loved. We've just got to let him love us. Let him love you. Don't, don't push back. Let him say what he said. I want to open up the heavens and pour out a blessing that you can't even begin to fathom. And it's not for your material blessings. it's to fix the messed-up world we're in and who we are. God wants to love you. Here's the second thing we learned from the passage. We've got to what be loved, but we have to now learn love from Jesus. You see, we have to be love, but we've got to learn love. From Jesus. He's the example by which we live, right? We have to learn this love. And I'm gonna say it again. This is a whole lot easier said than done. In fact, I want you to sing this with me. All you need is love. Dun dun da. da dun. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love, love is all you ever need. Right? 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 Come on, come on. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love. Love, love is all you need. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 but there's a problem. There's a problem. Wouldn't it be nice? If love was that easy, like like you could love as easy it was to sing it, but you know what the problem is love is all you need, and then our life shows up and goes dun dun dun. dun, dun. <laughs> isn't that usually what happens? It's so much easier to sing it than live it, isn't it? Well, of course it is. I mean, have you ever heard someone ask this question? How will I know when I'm in love? Do you know what the most common response is to that question? You'll just know. Now think about that. How will I know when when they're the right one? You'll just know. As if our natural bent is to love. I, I can't speak for you. Can I speak for me? That's not my natural bent. My natural bent is bitterness. My natural bent is resentment. My natural bent is unforgiveness. It is a whole lot easier for me to push someone away than it is to ever let them in. And if you'll be honest, it's yours too. Because if you deny that, you just said the word of God is not true. Because I just quoted it a minute ago the human heart is wicked. And do you know why there's so much of that stuff I shared that gets posted? Because they're spending more time trying to earn love than be love. And you're seeing the fruit of that relationship. We're not, if you will, it's not in in us to love love. We're so quick to push back. I mean, I've heard these words from girls that were broken hearted. I will never date again. Yeah. <laughs> now when they're saying it, they mean that. They're hurting. But it's like, okay. There's like 7 billion people in the world. You met them all? Like, like one bad moment and you're going to clean the plate. But you've heard it. You've probably said it. I will never do that. Look, I am never trusting anyone again. Well, actually, that's a good point, <laughs> all right? Because you've heard me say, I don't trust anyone. I don't trust my wife. I don't trust my kids. I don't trust me. I trust God in them. And so that's what makes our marriage grow. It's not K and I. It's God in us. That's the game changer. Learning to be loved, but we've got to learn this love. You know, legendary Irma Bombeck was once asked, if you could live life over, what would you do different? Listen to what she said. I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over to dinner even if the carpet was stained. I'd have taken time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would have sat on the lawn with my kids and not worried about messing up the grass. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more in watching life. When my kids kissed me impetuously, I would have never said later, go get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love you's and more I'm sorry's, but mostly I would seize every minute to look at it and really see it and live it and love it. And you know what my response is? Why didn't you? Because it's not her natural bent. It's not yours either. But, and you all know how much I love butts, okay? <laughs> All right. I like big butts. Okay. Let me help me. Let me help you. Okay. I love butts, conjunctions. Okay? When it comes along, but God. But God. I love the butts in the Bible. Because we're all over it, okay? All right. Listen to this. But we can learn to love, but we learn it from God. See, our natural bent is not to do the right thing, but we can learn it. We can learn it. The problem is, is we don't. That's why we first must let God love us, and secondly, we got to learn it. This is why the Bible's not just needed but the Bible needs to be heated four or more times a week. That's what Paul said when he wrote in Romans. He says, We get transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's through the Word of God that everything changes. But so many people, they just want to stop with this, but they fail to go on to this. But they actually both go hand in hand. I'm actually letting God love me when I'm in the word because I get to hear that love. And he keeps telling me who I am versus what the world is telling me I'm not. You see how it works? We've got to learn love. Listen to the words of Ernest Kurtz. If we learn to accept our imperfections, see through the word of God, you can look at yourself in the mirror and go, "Man, I, man, I'm, man, I've got some struggles here. But you don't do it to condemn you because you're reading God's word, who's, if you will, telling us a different story. So if we learn to accept our imperfections with humor as the reflection of our very humanity, we'll experience humility and tolerance. We will understand that we're already filled with forgiveness. We will see the gift of our lives. The chains will fall away, and we will be free. Watch this. Free not so much from fear or dependence, but free for love, for life itself. We've got to learn to be loved by Jesus. Let him love you. But then we've got to be in the word. This is why we're doing these classes. If anything helped me through COVID, was I stopped and I said, listen, I can't fix people, but I can take responsibility of the role I need to take. And I'm like, God, I want to sit with people and teach them. I want to show them your love letter. And so that's why we started this relationship in a deeper way with SEU, And now we're teaching these classes, whether you take them for credit or for non-credit. I want to help you understand God's word. And I, I will tell you, as the most amazing encouragement in 21 years is listening to those sitting in the class going, I finally get it. We literally, Tuesday night, the three books that everybody wants to ignore... Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I heard student after student, after class, and then text me or email me. I can't wait to be in Leviticus. It's a great book. When you get the understanding of what's really going on. Like, I never saw that. The sheer words of saying this, that Jesus is all the way through the Old Testament. And when you keep Jesus at the center of the Old Testament, it changes everything. The first church started with Peter standing up. They didn't have a New Testament. Paul's letters, which is three-fourths of the of the of the New Testament, he isn't even saved yet. Peter stands up and quotes from the Old Testament. And there's more love in the Old Testament than you'll even see in the New Testament when you really get it. And watching lights come on, I'm just like, I love what I do. Because, man, when you learn love from Jesus, it's the game changer. It's a game changer. But now, finally, we have to. What do you think I'm going to say? It's exactly what I'm going to say. You might think I'm going to say now, be loved, learn love, go live love like Jesus. Mm-mm. Stay focused on Jesus. This is the key right here. And I want to I help you in being Jesus. And I'm going to really, if you will, be really transparent with who I am. You see, you might think, well, now we go out and live it. No, I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem. See, the key to love, as we just learned, right, is by God and from God. Correct? And it always will be. And being that he's the source of love, then we should stay focused on that love. See, I read about a young preacher who took his first church as he was attending seminary, and he preached a message one Sunday. He wasn't even married yet. Preached a message, he called it 10 Facts on How to Have the Perfect Marriage and Raise Perfect Kids. Then a few years later, he got married. (laughs) He preached the same message again, but he re-entitled it, 10 suggestions on how to have a good marriage and raise healthy kids. (laughs) After their second child was born, he changed the title once again and called it 10 Possibilities for Marriage and Child Raising. (laughs) After their third child, he called it 10 Prayers for Parents. (laughs) When those kids became teenagers, he burned that message. He wrote a brand new one and he titled it, Help Me Jesus. And all God's parents said, amen. (laughs) See, I think all of us would agree that life can get complicated. How many would agree? How many would agree that it's only going to get more complicated? It is. See, I think it can get quite confusing and very difficult to discern. And I think this is going to be that moment you're going to go, oh, yeah. It's a little difficult to discern What is the right loving thing to do sometimes, and what is not? Like, because I hear this all the time. Pastor, is it loving to give a handout to a street person who may use it to buy alcohol or drugs? I don't always know what to do. Anybody been there? Come on, it's okay. It's okay. Is it loving to support a colleague whose incompetence may be harming the company? Should I say something or not? Is it loving to keep your opinions to yourself when you see someone heading down a dangerous moral path? Listen, it's a tough world out there. What's the right thing to do? God, when do I step in? When, When do I not? But I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Because he's the example, is he not? Look what John 15 says. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. And neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and a branch is all you and I will ever be. Therefore, whoever abides in me and I in him they will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I say, I want to help you with this. I want to show you what we just saw. We just need to stay right here. We don't, we don't need no pizza. See, I think that's what God does. God says, why don't you just stay right here? But, but we can't do it, can we? Just something about us that says, oh, come on. We, we want so bad, but here's what we do is if somehow God in heaven's going, oh, I'm so glad I made Keith. I mean, oh. Mm. Boy, that dude can preach, man. Uh <laughs> hmm You think God's saying that? No. See, what happens is, is that we think somehow, we think we're being loved, but why is it that we feel like we have to go out and do something? And I'm going to show you. The moment you do it, then you have to tell someone what you did. Yeah, I, was, I was down in the corner one day, and there was a homeless guy, and I, I took him in and gave him lunch. Why are, you, why are you telling me that? You know what we're doing in that moment? Now, see, that's what I got to learn to do. I, I, I want to learn to do what Stephen Furtick can do, because then I'll be somebody. See, see, if I could just have a voice and I'm on the cover of an album and get to travel around, yeah, then, then, and God's going, why? Well, I don't get you. I just, you just keep your elbows here and you just stay here. Stay in the, you stay in the pocket. You just abide in me. Who are you trying to impress? You can go ahead and cut that off a second. Because I, I want, I want to do something. I want you to listen to this. If you've seen the movie, you've got this awkward guy whose name's Kevin James as an actor. I always know him as Paul Ballard. <laughs> okay. right. I can never separate those two. It's so true. It's such a great one, isn't it? But you've got that same character, and in his heart, he wants the one girl that no one can ever get the actress, the, the famous, the, the in the front of everything. He's seen her in a magazine. And he finds out who Will Smith is, and Will Smith is this guy who helps guys learn how to get the girl. But you learn that Will Smith it isn't a game, it's actually something very real. What he's really about is I want you to be okay with you. And so he says to him, I can help you, which I'm not sure you believed it at first. But he says, I'll help you get the girl. And he's telling him, here's the things you need to do and not do. It's really not about the girl. It's really about Kevin learning to be okay with yourself. We laugh at this clip, but Kevin doesn't listen. Oh, he does at church. He does in his life group, but then when he gets in the real world... He's got to add some things. He's got to make the pizza, if I could say. And he messes everything up. Because he fails to understand that, yeah, her head's turned, but the devil's isn't. And neither is God's. And she turns, and he has to let loose, right? And the cameras catch him. If you've seen the movie, it comes out in the public papers. And it not only messes him up, it messes Will's life up too. All he had to do was listen. All he had to do was stay in the pocket. Just six inches. You roll it. That's all he had to do. But he couldn't. And I wonder how many of us, we think that now we have to go out and live it. we got to go out and do these things because that's where God wants us to be. And yet the Bible says in Matthew 25, the righteous ones who just stayed in the pocket, who just abided in Jesus. When did we see you hungry, Jesus? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you in prison and come visit? And Jesus says, because the least of these What you did for them, you were doing it in me. It's all God asked us to do is abide. He didn't ask us to do anything. Those are misread words when we say, well, the Bible says we're supposed to go out. We're supposed to go out. No, we go out and be who we're in. It's the natural fruit. When I go away, I will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will be in you, and the Holy Spirit will teach you. He will convict you. In Luke 12, 12, when you stand before the courts, don't worry about what you need to say. The Holy Spirit will give you utterance. You don't need to worry about anything. When people walk up to me and go, Pastor, I, mean, I, I told my friend about Jesus, but I don't know if I said too much, and I, I don't know if I, I, I didn't say enough. I don't know. I don't. And I always say, do you love him? And they go, Of course I do. And they said, Then you'll never say too little and you'll never say too much. You'll always say the right thing because love covers a multitude of sins. Love will not fail. That's what my Bible just read in 1 Corinthians. His love can't. I'm done trying to love, I can't do it. I'm so done trying. I'm so exhausted by it. It seems like you try to go out and you do the right thing and someone sends the text or the email or walks out of your life and you're like, do you not know my heart? I don't know about you, but I get so exhausted by it. It seems like you're walking in Jesus and you go out and it's like, wow, man, you just keep getting your legs kicked out. And I felt like God said in my heart, he says, Why are you going out? Why don't you just stay in me? For if you abide in me, I will abide in you. You can't do anything apart from me, but if you stay in me, you will bear fruit. You're a branch, Keith. You can't go out and become your own tree. You're a branch connected to me. You stay connected to me and watch what I can do. And you'll be less about listening to the crowd as your voice is so in tune with the Christ. That's why the Bible says in a world where in a matter of days Jesus is coming into town and people are hailing him king of the Jews, And five days later, the same people are at the foot of a cross saying, crucify him, go away, you die. And the Bible says, but it was the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before him. This is what I came to do, to do what my father asked me to do. And three days later, he would rise from the dead and the world would never be the same. And if we could learn to just stay focused on Jesus, to be in the word, to just let him love and to learn, I'm telling you, Jesus will come out. You don't have to force it. And if you go, well, Jesus isn't coming out of my life, then just focus. Am I really letting him love me? And am I learning that love? Because he will come out. His word always goes out and does what he meant it to be and to do. Amen? Amen. I want to invite the team to come. I'm going to close with this. It's a story by Dallas Willard. It comes out of The Divine Conspiracy. He tells of when the REA, you know what the REA is? We should the Rural Electrification Administration. He says he tells of a story when they extended the electrical lines to their home out in the country in Missouri. Listen to what he says. When those lines came by our farm, a very different way of living presented itself. Our relationships to the fundamental aspects of leisure, preparing food, and preserving it could and would be vastly changed for the better those farmers, in effect, heard the message. Repent, for electricity is at hand. Repent and turn from your kerosene lamps and lanterns, your ice boxes and cellars, your scrub boards and rug beaters. The power was now inside their home to make their life better. If they would accept it. But some did not accept the kingdom of electricity. They were suspicious of it, even afraid of it. Some thought it cost too much. Some just did not want to take the trouble to change. But the blessing was there the whole time, waiting for them to enjoy, but they were not taking advantage of it. He goes on to write In the same way, the kingdom of God is here right now, waiting to be enjoyed. Some say it costs too much, others are suspicious. Still others don't don't want to take the trouble to change. But the Bible still says the same Lord is Lord of all and will richly bless all who call on his name. We have a vision in this church. We want people to meet Jesus. Not meet, celebrate not meet church, not meet religion. We want them to meet Jesus. But for that to happen, the church has got to stop making that their mantra if they're not going to be serious about going out and being Jesus. See, I've had people ask because even in the cold, we're starting to see this one service, one service, if you will, begin to be full. Had people come to me and said, yeah, but before COVID, we had three services. And at one time we had multiple campuses and pastor, we're declining. Just thought I'd share something with you. We probably know where people are more than we've ever known in the history of 21 years. February last year before COVID, we were averaging about 33 to 3,400 people. This last month in February and January, we've been averaging over 4,400 And we've not been passing the plate and the giving has been unbelievable. Why do I say all this? The world's dramatically different. There are some people, no matter how many services we create, they're not coming back for two reasons. We're still in the unknown, folks, despite a vaccine. We have no idea what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. But we have some people because of this and they're watching right now. I've had some say, Pastor, why would I ever come back? I'm going to Nashville at the end of March, and I will we'll share with you why when I get back. But I'm going to Nashville, and I'm meeting with the president of Sony Pictures again, Rich Peluso. And the whole theater world that you guys know, the movie world understands it's, it's over they're not making any decisions in that direction. People are live streaming everything now. And so they bought out Peerflix's streaming line, just as Netflix, and they're creating Sony's own Netflix because everybody wants to do what they want to do on their timetable and their demand. Whether you think it's wrong or right, I'm just telling you where everything's at. No one wants to watch a television show at 7 o'clock every Tuesday because that next Tuesday, something better might come up. But they still don't want to miss their show. Thus, they can stream it and watch it anytime they want. And everything's going that direction. And so, you know me, I can't just sit and watch things go by. So I reached out to them, shared some thoughts, and they bit in a good way and we're going to sit down and talk about some things of how can we partner the church and the movie world and I'm excited about seeing what God's going to do with it so why do I why do I say all this because it's a different world in which we live and despite the fact of COVID pre-COVID this church is growing right now and we're watching lives being changed in unbelievable ways but now watch people have asked yeah but we need to add another service I, I, want, I will explain, we're not going to do that. Let me explain why. I'm not going back to what we used to do. I keep reading and keep studying and reaching out and every way I can, the American evangelical church is on the decline. I'm not adding services for your convenience. But I will add a service if you'll go out and fill it. On Easter, we're going to do an eight fifteen service, along with ten. I'm not changing ten. This is great. Anybody like beating the crowd to lunch? I'm loving it. So, I I just and so um, and I know some people said, Pastor, how come you don't come out? Because I'm hungry. (laughs) Um, And I'm just kidding. (laughs) But but here's the deal: is that's not going to become a staple. There are people in our city that would die and go to hell right now. And I've had some people go, well, we loved coming on Saturday. And if you're not going to add a Saturday, we'll go to a different church. And I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope you enjoy it. I'm not doing church for you. I'm not doing it for you. There are tens of thousands of people in this city that will die and go to hell if he came back right now. And they got to matter to God's people. If they don't, there's something wrong with God's people. And I'm not going to go away. Because I don't see God telling you, well done, my good and faithful service. I'm so glad it was about you and your comfort and your convenience. Welcome to heaven. I don't think that's going to happen because there's not one word in the Bible that will even support that. Jesus died for your sin. And if we get that, then we ought to care enough to tell other people he died for theirs too. I'll add as many services as you want if we're going to fill them up with people who need Jesus but we're not adding. There's no point of that. Then I got work to do to help you understand better the word of God and I'll take that responsibility. But we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. People need Jesus. And I, I, I drive around the city and I'm meeting with people and talking with people and they're, they're not against Jesus. They've been struggling with God's people who say they are Jesus. <laughs> And I can't speak for any other church. I'm not going to be ill about that. This, But God called me here to this church. And I love this church. And I love the fact that God said, I want you and Kay to move to Sioux Falls. And I'm going to do everything I can from here on out to help you know how much God loves you and that you would grow in that love and that it would just become an expression of it. And I will tell you, if we will learn to let God love us, And then learn that love, how he loves us. And believe it, there won't be empty seats in here. They just won't. Because Jesus said, if you lift me up, I will draw. The question is, how are we lifting them up? And what that really means is, how are we living our lives? I told you, I don't work in my marriage anymore. I just don't. and I came to a place and said, I'm just tired. Like every time I think I figure you out, you change. (laughs) She's like, I change. (laughs) Like, I know. But what we've learned is, is that he's the one that created love and he cares more about our marriage than we do. And we've been walking here and it's crazy what God's doing here. It's just nuts what he's doing. He actually is for our marriage when we do it his way. We're learning to just be loved. And we're learning what that love looks like. And I just find myself staying here every day, getting up, prayer walking, being in his word, and oh the joy, oh the joy. And I believe the same for you. We got a toolbox. The vision of this church is we want people to meet Jesus. And our tools are to live for something bigger than this world, the kingdom. Let his word be our authority. Let his spirit speak and tell us what we need to do. And be Jesus to the world. And we do that by just staying in Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's been good stuff. Just stay there, amen? Amen. Just stay there. Just stay there. Don't need no pizza. We got food. Just stay here. Man, if you could just keep that in your vision all day today, just stay in Jesus, and you'll be amazed the things that he'll begin to do through you. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, your faithfulness, your love for us. Wow. Our world needs you. And we will reflect that as we stay in the mirror. The light will shine and permeate out into the world. Things begin to happen. The voice says, hey, I want you to do this. And we just do it because we're so obedient in you. Just being in you. Not thinking about the world around us, but being in the word and being not just the written, but the living, spoken word within us fruit happens. You said it over and over three different times. You'll bear fruit. You'll bear more fruit. You'll bear much fruit. Fruit is a part of who we are in you. May that be who we are in Jesus name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.